0: Our text this morning came from the book of 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, reading the first through the 12th verse. And it reads as follows. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth! At your service, he replied, Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Mica. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Sharing a meal has been, for the longest time, one of the great staples of the American home, particularly in the African-American tradition. The dinner table has been a prominent fixture where all are given an opportunity to connect with our loved ones in a way that we would not have been able to do otherwise. I'm reminded of the very popular show, Soul Food, where if you haven't seen it, or if you have, you would be able to appreciate how the matriarch of the family, uh, through the delicacy of preparing a meal, was somehow able to keep the family strong and to keep the family together. And when she passed away, the family quickly became fragmented. And challenges came along. Who would pick up the baton? Who would continue the legacy of the family? So, with this in mind, and our text as a backdrop, I want to speak to you from the subject: the king's table. Right. The king's table. For those of you who may not be familiar with the story of Mephibosheth in its entirety, let me give you kind of like a brief background. Saul was anointed king. Of Israel by the prophet Samuel. He was anointed king after the people looked around the neighborhood and they noticed that other nations had kings and they said, Hey, we want a king as well. God did not really want to give them a king simply because God was already their king. But they saw what every nation was doing and they decided they want a king too. And so Samuel, with the permission of God, anointed Saul king so he could now provide for their needs because they wanted a king. Now, despite God anointing Saul king, Saul was a very poor king. He ended up losing favor with God through multiple acts of disobedience, including witchcraft. Sorcery and all kinds of demonic stuff. Saul was anointed king. He was given the anointing of God, but he always seemed to fall into messy places. And so, God had had just about enough of Saul. And so, when God had found that he decided he didn't want Saul to be king anymore, God found out on the backskirts of the wilderness a young boy by the name of David and Samuel anointed David king and then he went back to the wilderness <laughs> now as David became more prominent David had a friend who happened to be one of Saul's sons and David's friend his name was Jonathan the bible tells us that Jonathan and David had such a relationship that they were so they were as close as two men could be they were best of friends. As a matter of fact, in first Samuel, the 18th chapter, and the 1st to the 4th verse, we find an example of the relationship of David and Jonathan. There we read Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Think about that. And, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Then they made a covenant. It said Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him. Remember now, Jonathan is the son of Saul. Jonathan is heir to the throne. Jonathan is not deluded in who he is. And Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. And Jonathan removed his kingly robe. And he put it on David because he loved him. And the Bible tells us that not only did he give his robe to David, he also adorned David with his armor, including his sword and the bow and his belt. In other words, Jonathan was saying, I see you the way I see me. Jonathan and David were tight, ride or die, two peas in a pod. Why that word? Besties. BFF. So needless to say, they were great friends. Now Jonathan had a son by the name of Mephibosheth. And it's important to go through this because sometimes we don't often know the stories or the backdrop and, and the scriptures. Sometimes we can miss things. So Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. But Being the son of Jonathan who was the son of Saul made Mephibosheth the grandson of Saul who was the king. Mephibosheth was heir to the throne of his father's father. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan and the grandson of the king. Mephibosheth his entire life, was already paved for him. The way was made for him to eventually assume the royal place of his life. Mephibosheth was born with a golden spoon in his mouth. The Bible then tells us something dreadful happened to Mephibosheth. In 2 Samuel, the fourth chapter, and the fourth verse, we find this. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old. When the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, his nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, she fell, and the boy became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth was dropped as a baby. And as a result of being dropped as a baby, He became lame in both feet. What you need to understand about the story is that Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of Saul the king. Mephibosheth is the grandson of the king. Mephibosheth was born with a golden spoon in his mouth. Mephibosheth was destined to be great. But five years old, the grandfather of Mephibosheth, the father of Mephibosheth, were killed. The nurse, in her haste, grabbed the boy to save the household of the king, dropped the baby, and he became lame in both feet. This is the tragedy of the story. Saul had been pursuing David to kill him, and at Mount Gilboa, all hell literally broke loose. So at five years old, Mephibosheth's grandfather and father died. We move forward later on, and the questions now take us to the place of our text. Years have passed. David now is sitting on the throne. David is looking around his kingdom. David is lamenting. David is thinking. The king is thinking. And he asks the question, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness For Jonathan's sake. Don't miss this church. The king is on the throne. And he's saying, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show them favor for for his son's sake? For the sake of the son. You missed it. Let's keep going. Now, there was a servant of Saul's house named Ziba, right? The text tells us there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there still anyone alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? God's kindness. Is there anyone? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Now, let me pause here. Did David ask Ziba what kind of condition this person was in? Why do we sometimes find it necessary to try to provide more information than what is necessary, than what is asked of us? All Ziba had to say was, yes, there is still a son. Of Jonathan there still is one from the house of Saul but no Ziba had to take it a step further yeah he he's laying in both feet in other words yeah they they they're here but they're busted they are no they're not gonna be any good to you I'm already Ziba's already passing judgment on having not having any idea why the king is asking for you brothers and sisters I want you to understand what's going on here Sometimes you have been summoned by the king. And the king is asking someone about you. Or you are being asked about someone else. And because of your own issues and your challenges, you somehow think you need to volunteer information that is unnecessary to what is being asked. So there's a whole lot going on here that we need to be aware of. So David said, where is he? The king asked, and Ziba answered, he's at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Amiel. Now, a little bit of word study here. That word Lodabar is a place. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word Dabar, just that piece alone, Dabar, means word, that's what it means. That actually means word. Now, in, in 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 the Hebrew language, whenever you know how whenever you whenever you want to make something negative, you put low in front of the word. So when you say low debar," you mean no word. So Mephibosheth lives in a place called no word. Brothers and sisters, how many of you are in Lodabar, a place where you don't have any word from God, where you are separated from the presence and the word of the Lord. You see, what you need to understand is when... You are in a place where you can't hear from God. When you're struggling to hear a word from God that will liberate you from your own circumstances, from your own situations. When you can't hear from God, chances are you might be in Lodabar. And often when we are in Lodabar, it's because something is not right in our lives. The text tells us that Mephibosheth was lame from both feet and what you need to understand is when you are lame and you are crippled you have no business something is wrong with you therefore you can't be in the presence of the king the king only wants perfection the king only wants what's right you cannot come before a holy God broken busted disgusted God is holy and when you are broken, busted, and disgusted, and you can't be in the presence of the king, you can't hear what the king has to say, you just might be in Lodebar. I don't know if you understand what it feels like to be cut off when you get the feeling that you are alone and, and you feel like you've been rejected. That no one knows your struggles or that you're the only one dealing with your situation. I don't know if you know what it feels like to feel like all the things that you've done in your life has caused you to be in a place where you're just the only one. No one understands your pain. Brothers and sisters, I am telling you, you're in Lodabar. And the question becomes, when you are crippled in Lodabar like Mephibosheth, what hope is there for you? How can you uncripple yourself? You can't. How can you get yourself back together again? You can't. When you are in Lodabar, you have no idea what's up and what's down. You are completely lost. You might as well be in the dark and talking about a place of no word. You get nothing from God. The people around you are negative. They don't get anything. Lodabar, you are not there by yourself. But everything around you, is nothing more than people who have no encouraging word, people who have nothing looking forward to in their lives, people who have no aspirations, people who are just dead in spirit, and you're stuck in a place where there is nothing good going on around you. That's low the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who I'm talking to if you've ever been there, Come on, but I'm telling you, there are times where you look around and you say, You know what? I might as well just deal with it because I'm broken. And there is no hope for me. I live in Lodabar. The Bible says, David said, is there still no one alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba said, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba said, he's at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. Let the king summon Ziba and say, listen, Get him. I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Now, I want you all to understand the psychology of what's going down here. David called for Mephibosheth. He summoned him. He's the king. Mephibosheth now comes limping before the king. Knowing that he's coming before a king in a place where he does not belong. He's broken. Why on earth would the king call for me? Mephibosheth comes into the presence of the king. Now I need you to see Mephibosheth. When Mephibosheth comes before David, he bows down and he pays him honor. The text tells us David says, Mephibosheth, David, it seems almost like David has glee. David said, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth says, at your service. David said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want to stay right there for a moment. Every time Jesus went to someone who was broken, someone who was in a place where they did not feel like they belonged in his presence. Jesus often uttered the word, fear not, do not be afraid. Who's here that needs to hear that today? Do not be afraid. Fear not. You come into the presence of the king and you say, Lord, I've humbled myself at this altar and I've cried out to you, But I know that I really don't belong here because of what I've done and where I've been, who I've hurt, all of the things. I should really be under the cellar. But you open up a way for me to come to the altar. So I'm going to keep my head real low. And I'm going to just stay right here. At your service, sir. David says, don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, the king. And you will always eat at my table. The story gets worse. You come to the altar to pray. You say, Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of grace. I'm not worthy. I, I can't fix my problems. I can't fix my struggles. I can't fix myself. But if there's any part of you at all that could just give me a little scrap from the table, it will be enough for me. You come to the table and the Lord says, you belong here. What do you mean I belong here, Lord? Look at what David says. He says, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather and Saul, and you will always eat at my table. But Mephibosheth says, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? How hurtful, how painful it must be when you're staring opportunity in the face and your self-esteem has diminished to the point where you don't think you're deserving of anything good, not even from God, but from anybody else. How would, why would you notice a dead dog like me? Then the king, the king didn't answer, Mephibosheth. Stay right there, Mephibosheth. Hold up, Ziba. Come here I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family you Ziba and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and to bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for and oh by the way if that's not enough Ziba grandson of your master will always eat at my table. Suddenly, in the text the Bible tells us it said now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Brothers and sisters I don't know what you're hearing but this needs somebody needs to hear this today and I hope you hear this. What's for you is for you. You are born with a silver spoon in your mouth. The challenge is you think that you are lame and undeserving. And so because you think you are lame and undeserving, when the king calls you, you choose not to come. You choose not to come to the king's table because you don't think you are deserving. But I am here to tell you that you're not coming because of anything good in you. Because the text tells us that that Mephibosheth is lame. He's in Lodabar. He didn't do anything on his own to get to the king's table. He was summoned. And so when you in your brokenness feels like you don't belong, I'm telling you that the king will send someone for you. And when the king sends someone for you, your job is not to say, you know, I'm a dead dog. I don't deserve it. Brothers and sisters, you're not coming there because there's anything good about you. The text is clear. It says, you're coming because of my son's sake. I'm doing it because of my son's sake, not yours. You see, God sent Jesus, his son, to die for you and for me. And so therefore, when you, a dead dog like you, think that you're undeserving, God says, I'm going to bless you more today and tomorrow than you could ever imagine. Not because you are anything special, but because I'm doing it for my son's sake and so when we cry out to Jesus and we cry out Lord in the name of Jesus what you're saying is I am but you're doing this for your son's sake I am undeserving but because I'm undeserving it doesn't matter what I've done it doesn't matter how broken I am it doesn't matter how messed up my life is I am coming to the king's table for your son's sake. And let me close it out this way, because I want to make sure that you all understand what I'm saying. Four times in the passage, the king's table is mentioned. In the ancient Hebrew tradition, the table was the ultimate measure of hospitality. When strangers would pass through the village, someone would always invite them to come and Share a meal. It was the most visible way that people shared with each other their love for each other and for the community. As I stated earlier in this message, the dinner table, especially for the African American community and for American culture. The dinner table. The dinner table was where the family affirmed each other. It was the place that said, "Listen, you are mine and you belong." It was here that the family corrected each other. It was here that the family loved on each other. It was here at the dinner table that the family guided each other, and it was here that, despite what you have done or where you have been, or even when, when you think you've completely messed up, you still had a room at the table. Yes, it was a place where the family knew you. But somewhere along the way, we lost sight of the dinner table and what it meant. And as a result, our families and our world is now in total disarray. Our children have become wayward lacking basic skills in etiquette and simple table manners. They've lost their sense of self. They have even lost the centrality of knowing who they are and their place in the family. And the fact is they have lost their place in the family and so they have lost their place in society. We need to get back to that communal sense of family and what it means to be my brother and my sister And so going back to Mephibosheth for a moment, as I get ready to close, in no way could he have contributed to the goodness of God that was now being given to him. When you come to the Lord, you don't come because you are so that, that you could do anything on your own. You can't do anything. In fact, twice David said he was showing Mephibosheth kindness for his friend Jonathan's sake. So number one, the point is you can't do anything of your own self. To merit God's favor in your life. God knew you before the foundations of the earth. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You are not, and I don't care what you may have heard, you are not a mistake. You are not an accident. God knows what he's doing. And so I'm telling you that the favor of God in your life doesn't come because of anything in your life, doesn't matter what it is, the favor of God comes because of his son's sake. The second thing, you may be in Lodabar, place of no word, nothing going on for you, no hope. Things seem to be going from bad to worse. But isn't it a wonderful thing to know that the king will come looking for you? And no matter what corner you find yourself, the king will find you. The king will come looking for you. That's the second thing to understand about the God you serve. For he tells us that he, the, 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 the man left the 99 and went for the one sheep that was lost. Third and finally, you're always welcome to eat at the king's table. This is Communion Sunday. But the thing that I love about the text, and I want to show you this, I wish I had something I could show you. When Mephibosheth was taken to the king's table, they would sit him in a special seat at the table with his legs lame. They would take... A robe, and they would put it over his feet as he sat at the king's table. And whether his legs was curled underneath or not, all you saw was his majesty. All you saw was his glory. That covering over your infirmity, over your problems, over your issues, over your struggles, is the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So whether your foot is crooked or not, whether I have on shoes or no shoes, you can't tell because we're all covered uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. So David is letting Ziba and everybody know that he is always to sit at my table. And in the same way that Christ covers your brokenness and mine, Jesus Christ is saying, you are always welcome at my table. And, 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 and here's the part I want you to get. The church has lost a lot. But we need to get back to the meaning of the things that we do. Jesus set up communion. So that he said what? Do this as often as you shall. What? In Remembrance of me he didn't say just to remember the fact that I died on a cross No, he's saying as often as you take communion you are remembering that he covered you and You can sit at his table in all your majesty In all your glory For the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ on the night when he died and he rose again from the grave and he ascended into heaven He sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he says, all authority is given to me, and he now gives to you. And you, my brothers and sisters, he has laid a table before you. You don't believe me, he says, listen. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, and I'm going to change the text. I will dwell at the king's table forever and forever. Brothers and sisters, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. You don't deserve anything from God. But he gave it to you. And I'm telling you that as long as I am pastor of this church and as long as this church is right here on the corner of Jackson and Franklin, you are always welcome to be a part of our family. We share in the inheritance that God has for you and for his family alone. You are safe here in God's care. And we say that we love you And you always have a seat. You will always have a seat at this table. Because this table is not mine. This table is the king's table. And what God has for you is for you. And it does not matter what you've been through or what you've done. When you take communion today, let it be a reminder to you... Mephibosheth that the king will always come looking for you. Amen? Amen. May God richly bless you my beloved.